Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. It's time for the round table with Round Daddy. Hey, Round Daddy. The round table with Round Daddy. Me, James Strebel, Big Daddy. With your host, James Strebel. Hey, Round Daddy, James Strebel. Gotcha. On ESPN 680 and 105.7. I know this is going to change. Um, I know that we can change it. Um, I also know how hard it is to change it. Um, and I hope that people will acknowledge that this team has gotten better from year one to year two. Um, and then we're only going to get better. This is winding down, and it's been a long year. Two long years, Kenny Payne. Two long years. But it's, I thought this was year one. It, it's year It's year half. It's year half. Year half. It's the roundtable here on ESPN 680 105.7. Special thanks to Drew and Trevor from Tailspin Elfest and High Wire Brewery for being here with us today. Also, thanks to Adam and his staff for dropping off delicious wing zone catering to the ESPN Louisville Studios. Perfect for your next tailgate. And also, don't forget to try that new chicken sandwich. Order online. Wingzone.com. Three area locations in Metro Louisville. Spread out all over the city. Jason Ince with me. Zach Cantrell producing the show. 437 Seven nine six eight EPS jobs text. I with the blitz going here in about ten minutes or so, Zach. So we'll we'll do that at four oh five. I want to get some time in here with my guy Ince. So Ince, um, <laughs> well, I'll read the text later. I, I want to make sure to give <laughs> make sure to give Ince some radio time. He wants Ince wants his air time. Damn it, he wants his air time. All right. Damn so right. here's what's confusing to me, Jason. Um, so last night was the game that everybody decided that Kenny Payne sucks. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to be, like, funny or cute Well, they were here. talking about, oh, it's Notre Dame. We we could win our last five games or if we go four and one. And, and I turn on the TV and I'm like, oh, crap. What the hell? They got here? blasted. They got absolutely blasted by Notre Dame, which I understand it's embarrassing. I get it. I, a bad team. Yeah, Notre Dame is well, – what, what I, so I was, I was out and about last night. So I had Bob and Paul Rogers on the call, and while I was in the van listening to them, and then I went to a little B Dubs and, and had, a, had a had a few drinks there and watched the game amongst the people because I because I'm a man of the people, Jason Nance. That's what I am, and I'm a man, I'm a man of the people. And <laughs> you're right. I mean, the, we talked about with this team after they beat Florida State, lose to Syracuse by two points at Syracuse should have been a win controversial call that they beat georgia tech we're like okay outside of duke the rest of the schedule is manageable i mean yeah they could beat boston college at boston college nothing right right home about they lose 89 77 what happens if they win 12 games do they keep kenny exactly yeah then there's like okay well you know Pitt stinks they can go to Pitt. they can win that game maybe then they lose 86 59 well notre dame's really bad i mean notre dame's terrible that's like they're fighting notre dame for the bottom of the acc 
It's at home. They play pretty well at the Yum Center. They should beat that team because Louisville has all the offense. Don't play much of a defense, but Notre Dame can't score. What could go wrong? They lose 72 to 50, and Notre Dame just in the first half specifically comes out firing from three, hitting from three. I believe Shrewsbury had, I think he had four threes in the first half. Something like that. And and for whatever reason, it wasn't here, here it wasn't Lenore Ryan. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Kentucky Wesleyan. It wasn't Arkansas State. It wasn't DePaul. It wasn't any of those other teams that I've mentioned, the ACC, that stink. It was Notre Dame at home. That's the that's that's the loss that finally even the most staunchest KP supporters said, that's enough of that. Like, bro, welcome to the party. Like, what 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 was the difference between Notre Dame and Arkansas State? At least Notre Dame has a name. At least Notre Dame is Division One in the ACC. Why did it take this long for some people to come around to the fact that this team stinks and Kenny Payne is the reason for it? Because they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's what it is. I think hmm. it's the fact of there was still that anxiety because of what you just talked about of well, what happens if he wins for the last five? Getting blown out, getting absolutely housed by Notre Dame the way that they did completely kills that narrative, which means the only the only alternative left is that he's fired. There, There is no possibility that he has this magical run at the end of the season to where some factions in the fan base can go, well, we'll see... He finished strong. He's finally figuring it out. He deserves a third year. They're getting better. There's no, there's no Bridgman that can say that. There's, there's nobody that can come in and say, well, he deserves more time. There is nothing left in that tank for anybody to point out when you lose to Notre Dame at home by 22, 22 points. points. And I think that was where it was. The, the, the most staunch, hardcore, I back Kenny no matter what supporter can't back that. You just can't. And by the way, over their last four games, UofL is 14 of 62 from downtown. 14 of 62? My goodness. Yeah. That's since they went 11 and 25 against Georgia Tech. 14 and 62? They went 4 of 17 last night, 1 of 12 against Pitt, 5 of 15, or excuse, uh, yeah, 5 of 15 against Boston College. And four of eighteen. Also, they went fifteen of thirty-nine from inside the arc last night. Notre Dame made twelve threes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they, they two can't shoot threes. Notre Dame six. made three fewer threes than U of L made two pointers. Now, did you see this last night? So, Jerry Eaves. <laughs> Zach, Zach went. Oh, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. What did Jerry say? This is what Jerry said. So, Jerry Eaves last night. Whoops. Sorry, Zach. Oh, okay, got you. You can put it back on there. <laughs> anyway, Jerry Eves last night, he was in front of the Yum Center. Did you see his tweets? He oh, filmed, yeah. We're, yeah, he, he filmed I saw, it. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I think it might have been Phil. Somebody quote tweeted, it was like, blink twice if you're if Yeah, you're yeah he he's, he's like, come out, support the cards. Then he had, then he, then he had some tweets inside the Yum Center. And you can always see the like the top center. half of his head. That's it was it. Yeah, it, it, was, it was like just 
from the chin up. It, it really he didn't was. know how to take a selfie. Yeah, he's like, come out here, support the card, support KP. Did he leave before? Uh, did he leave after halftime? Did he leave before halftime? I'm sure. Because Jerry Eves is known not to stay around for the entire game, but there's there's videos of him inside the Yum Center. Come support the cards and everything. And then it's just, I mean, it's 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 bad. Here's a quote from Kenny Payne. This is posted by Eric Crawford. You know what? You want me to tell you why I think this will be turned around because these are young people and anything's possible. We've worked really hard. We believe in what we do. We're not perfect, but I think these kids care about being good basketball players. I think they care about the city, the community, this university. I think they want to make people proud. I have no doubt about it getting turned around, but I've been doing this a long, long time. So for me, yes, it's a no-brainer that it's going to get done but it doesn't matter what I believe. I need my players to believe. So he he's had trouble for two years now with two vastly different teams getting those players to fight, buy in, believe all the other coach speak that Kenny Payne likes to trot out there. We we I asked Zach a question earlier. Which number is higher? The number of minutes that Cal talked in his postgame press conference last night or the number of times that Kenny Payne said fight? In his post-game press Oh, Kenny press Payne saying fight. I mean, well, I'll give credit to Kenny Payne in here, uh, like over Calipari. At least Kenny Payne talks. You might not like what he has to say. It might not make any sense. It sounds but, like something you get from chat GPT. Yeah, it might sound like, you know. The, the, the rejoin that we had earlier, yeah. we did the hard work. It's like, yeah, it sounds exactly. like a computer program. <laughs> you might get that. That's what you might get, but at least he'll talk. Like, he, he, he spoke longer than John Calipari did last night. And he fielded questions about his job. Cal Perry took three questions and dipped. Two questions. Two. I'm sorry. Two questions yeah. and dipped with hands raised in the air. And people like, oh, the media likes to get all huffy and puffy about it. And it's the, it's the media elitism and the arrogance and da 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 da. I was like, no. If Kenny Payne can go out there and answer questions for 13 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> after losing and after, by 22. After losing by 22 to Notre Dame, who's At now home. 10, 10 and 16. They're terrible. <laughs> They're 3 and 13. John Calipari can tell me tell us why he played DJ Wagner for as long as he did. He can tell us why he continues to insert Jordan Burks into a game, but there's no reason to put Jordan Burks in a game. Why Aaron Bradshaw plays six minutes in key moments of the game. Yeah, I mean, he can answer those questions. If Kenny Payne can do it, why can't John Calipari? Because John Calipari's got an early game on Saturday. That's right. He has an early game on Saturday. I forgot. 4, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. If you're if you're there, uh, 4 p.m. Uh, is, is very early for John Calipari. It's also very early for senior citizens going to get that early bird special. That early special, bird special. You know? That's right. At the, at the uh, where do the, uh, Bob Perkins. Evans. Perkins. Bob, Bob Evans. Evans too, yeah. Cracker Barrel. Come on. Oh, Cracker. Yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Zach wins. The CB. The, I, I, so my kids, that's their favorite restaurant. It's Cracker Barrel. They just, they, they're so cool. They just call it the barrel. <laughs> hey, Dad, can we go to the barrel tonight? Like, no. <laughs> you, 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 you call it Cracker Barrel, damn it. I'm not going to someplace called The Barrel. It sounds terrible. Uh, it sounds like a strip club. Texter. I was going to say it sounds like a brewery. <laughs> I prefer strip club. Texter. Can we go to The Frog? <laughs> <laughs> the Frog's done, right? You would know. I wouldn't know. I heard. I read online. It was it like burned down. I, I or heard about it. I heard about it. By the way, Afro Man was at a game last night. Yeah, yeah sources. Sources tell me. 
Afro Man was it because he played the frog one time. That's the only reason I'm talking about Afro Man. You were there. <laughs> I wasn't there. Andy, no, Andy Sweet and I really thought about going to that concert. It was Afro Man. Did, he just, play, frog. did he just play the high song five times? Yeah, in five a row? times in a row. <laughs> but <laughs> then he left. But he was at. A, I forgot what game no, he was he at. Got high. Yeah, then he got high. He was at a game last night. I can't remember what game it was. I was like, it's Afro Man. What's he doing? Who 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 knows Afro Man well enough to recognize him and be like, hey producers, that's Afro Man. It was on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. All right, Texter, Cal is getting $9 million a year regardless. Texter, UofL didn't uh, display press conference on scoreboard. Visiting fans have been staying longer after the game than UofL fans lately. Red Coat Steve-O. Is that, okay, is that your name, Red Coat Steve-O? Okay, go ahead, Zach. Yep. Uh, Texture, Jason N. stole my daughter's strawberry shortcake tall collection. <laughs> Can you ask him to return it? Nah, I sold that on eBay. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's on eBay now, sucker. <laughs> Texture. My money. The frog is alive. They left free cover passes on windshields at the farm show last week. <laughs> That's the that's my favorite text of the day. That's my favorite text of the day. The frog left for free. The smile on Strebel's face, hearing that the frog is alive and well. <laughs> I just like it's not free cover now. <laughs> like how, what's cover at the rustic frog? Three dollars. The farm equipment guys are like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, this place must be awesome. Free pass, and they go, and they're like, oh, snap. There's still ash everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's I know you got to go. Uh, thank you for hanging out with me for a little Anytime, while today. Buddy. Appreciate that. Uh, and you're, you'll be on a radio station tomorrow morning. What station are you going to be on? I actually can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to plug you. It's the one that Max goes on. Whoa. Well, plug, the, plug your spot. I was going to plug. I was going to plug your spot. Never mind. Get out of here. Just get, get out of here. I gotta you said go. it, I gotta, not me. I got to go. Appreciate got, it, buddy. I got Ty Spalding on the line. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it, man. Oh, here it is. The Rustic Frog Gentleman's Club VIP Pass. <laughs> Why are you texting him asking where you can get one? No, this is ladies all night. VIP rooms, bottles, $5 shots, beer buckets, 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. 3 a.m. on Sundays. Wow. Seven days a week, those ladies are working hard. They got a, they got a building to rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> ladies all night. VIP pants. Strebel. Why are you trying to print that, Strebel? I'm not printing anything. All right, get out of here, Ed. Get out of here. All right, let's start the blitz. Ty Spaulding is with us. Ty Spaulding, Cardinalsports.com. Check him out there. A Rivals Network. He's got all the message boards, the rumors, the every everything going on. Louisville basketball, baseball, football, anything you want to see. Ty Spaulding, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Strebel. Yeah, that's a... Um that seems like a good place to get a remote set up. Maybe you know, <laughs> Phil Baker, one of the sales sales weasels yeah. over there, can, can get you in. Phil Baker, get off paternity leave. Get me to the frog. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Ty Spaulding. A lot of stuff to get dive into here. Uh, I just okay. We'll start with this. You tweeted this out last night, and I I agree with you. But I just want to I just want to clarify something here. You said this is this is the 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 loss that finally united the fan base. Why did it take people this long? What you know, Arkansas State wasn't enough. Lenore Ryan wasn't enough. DePaul wasn't enough. What about this game specifically? Finally, finally woke people up to Kenny Payne has got to go. Even his most staunch uh, supporters. 
I think a couple things, you know, you had, you know, mostly healthy roster back, you know, the, the losses over the last week or so, you could chalk up to Scott Clark not being available. And then also, you just look at who Louisville was playing. They, they're in a similar spot as you, a first-year head coach, a young team. And you could look and see that one team had an identity, one team uh, had a defensive game plan that they executed, and the other team uh, just looked like they were flapping in the wind. So I think, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, uh, you can look at your team and your coaching staff and see a path forward. Uh, Louisville last year and Kenny Payne's first year, there was not that. And I think that's where most fans were. Where, I mean, they could deal with losses in his first year, but like the not seeing an identity, not seeing, you know, what this team's going to try to do on both ends of the floor. I think last night it really summed it up well. Uh, one team, one program has a coach that gets it, uh, the other doesn't. Yeah, I think that's a, that's that's a great point that there is a vision. I listened to Paul Rogers and Bob Valvano last night, uh, Ty, and they, they said that at the beginning of the show. Like Michael Shrewsbury has a defensive mentality; he wants to build a team defensively. He'll figure the offense out as you know as as the years go by. But he knows what he wants to do. He knows how he wants to build his program. Whereas, like you you know you just said, Kenny Payne's flapping in the wind. We don't really know what the identity of this team is. Sometimes they're really good on offense. And then, like last night, sometimes they're not. So, no, that's 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 a great point. Um, so, with you, Ty, I want to ask this as well. Um, there's no longer any talk about well, if KP wins 13 games, if KP wins 14 games, we know that this is done. Eric Crawford tweeted out last night something to the effect of, you know, a, a, a fan asked about buyout money. Can we afford to buy out a coach? Can we bring in a, a high-caliber coach like a Nate Oates, like an Eric Musselman, someone of that caliber that has a buyout? And Eric Pro, uh, Eric Crawford responded with something like, uh, that's something that we're not worried about or something that that you know people aren't worried about. Um, do you have any intel or knowledge on that? Yeah, so you know we all know Eric has been around a long time. He got the exclusive interview with Josh Hurd back in December. And he's as plugged in as anyone when it comes to the administration side of things. And I, I don't know if I've said it on this show, but I definitely have said it on Local Sports Live. Uh, I've said it, you know, on the message boards. But I, I, I've been hinting at essentially uh, Kenny Payne getting, you know, coaching the rest of the year is going to work out in Louisville's favor uh, in the long run. I, I believe I've said some version of that on this on on the uh, the roundtable over the last couple of weeks. You have. What I was getting at there is the buyouts, from my understanding, the buyout is covered, but there was a stipulation that Kenny was able to finish out the whole year. Um, and so that's what Eric is alluding to, I'm assuming. Um, okay. He's hearing the same that, that most of us are in the sense that uh, Louisville's, you know, has been, you know, has has has, has raised or however they got, you know, they have, uh, you know, donors that are, are, are willing to pay the buyout uh, and help with their new coach. Um, so I think Eric is telling you without telling you that they're not going to wait for a, a, an April first for the buyout to drop. They're not going to, not going to, uh, you know, take their time putting the wheels in motion. That you know they've they've got. 
uh, the money they need to make a move and make a hire um, as soon as possible, and uh, they can attract um, a quality coach. So yeah, I, I was never one of the one of the ones. Not said on here, you know. It's mm-hmm. dumb to rule out any candidate because you just don't know. I mean, you just don't right. know if you just don't know if a donor one day says, "Hey, I want this coach," or I'm gonna like. You just don't know. Like, you could look at the spreadsheets, you could look at the reports, and see, you know, yeah, the association isn't doesn't have as much cash as they did uh, when Jurich was here. And, and look, I get it, but it's just for me when you're talking about coaches, uh, unless it's a crazy, crazy, crazy buyout. I just don't know how you can talk in absolutes, and I think that's what's happening here. I think Louisville has the buyout covered. I think they have some funds to, to work with as well uh, in attracting a new coach. Um, and like I said, Eric, if you don't believe me, I, I tweeted this to a guy last night. If you don't believe me, um, and you don't believe Eric, if you, if you don't believe Eric Crawford, He's, he's, yeah. he, when he says something, there's there's merit behind it. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. All right, last one for you, Ty. Um, you know, I, I talked last week about, you know, Josh Hurd needs to have two two lists. He needs to have a coaching list, which I, I'm sure he does. And I think he needs to have a list of guys that he he would want to try to convince the coach, the incoming coach and the guys themselves uh, to stick around Louisville. I mean, I, I think it is important to try to keep some of these guys. Um, I mentioned Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I mentioned Tyler Johnson. I mentioned Mike James. Am I missing anybody? Those seem to be, to me, the three guys that, that Josh Hurd and whoever the incoming coach is say, hey, these dudes actually have talent. These dudes can play at the ACC level. Uh, we need to convince them to stay and, 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 and keep some, some current guys on the roster around. These aren't like Jalen Withers guys. These aren't like you know some of those 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 uh, Sydney Curry for instance these are high quality division 1 basketball players is there anybody else that you would throw in that but th- those are the three that I settled on Ty so i don't know that i would group mike james uh, into that um i think mike is a fine player um okay I respect him for sticking around through several coaches but for me the two for me, Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams uh, deserve the option to stick around. Um, Brandon Hundley Hatfield, obviously, and then Tyler Johnson. Uh, those, to me, are probably the four. You know, like Scott Clark last night had a great game, but but Tom Crean was right when he pointed this out. You know, he saw you know Scott Clark got a got a foul called on him, and Tom Crean's like a point guard should be huddling his team right now, and instead Scott Clark's you know bent over hands on his knees at at midcourt. Yeah. Um, And so, like, you know, I just don't want any of that that language. Um, So, to me, talent's great, but new coach, Josh Shirt, whoever's doing the screening on the current players, it needs to be about buy-in, about body language, about culture, wanting to be here. I know that sounds sounds, uh, tacky, but I think when you're talking about guys that have been around a losing product like these players have Mm -hmm. you need to make sure that there's no uh you know internal scarring from the last two years especially with someone that's that's been on the team the last two years so to me i would say maximum four off of this team um no more than that in my opinion just because like i said it's you get you get used to losing you know when you're in a you know in a situation like this you get used to, you know, getting comfortable when you're when you're down in games. Yeah. 
I just don't know how much of that you want to bleed over into the next regime. No, I, I agree with you 100%. And there is, that's the frustrating thing, Ty, is there is talent. Some of these guys have talent, but they've been beaten down so much over the last two years. And, you know, or, or in the case of like a Trey White or a Sky Clark, like you just mentioned, this, this year with the losing mentality and the confusion of the Kenny Payne tenure that they, they may, he may have been conditioned uh, to lose. So, yeah, yeah, man, I, I could go on with you for longer, but uh, got to move on to Kentucky. Appreciate the time, man. I'm sure we'll have more of this to talk about uh, as the weeks to come. And uh, you know, enjoy your weekend, uh, and and keep the faith, brother. Because like you, like I'm telling all these Louisville fans, the end's coming soon, and you'll have somebody new here uh, uh, in short order. Yeah, no, I think uh, you know, coaching searches always generate excitement, but when you've been this bad for this long, it, this one will especially generate excitement. So, yeah, I think it'll be a, a exciting couple of weeks, a month, and then you start. You know, hearing about the new coach or what transfers are targeting, all that good stuff. So, yeah, uh, you know, a, a Kentucky first-round exit and then a new coach being hired and Louisville fans will be uh, high and mighty just like they've always been. Absolutely. All right, Ty Spalding, thank you for your time. Talk to you next Thursday, buddy. Thank you. All right. All right, that was Ty Spalding, CardinalSports.com. We bring in Cam Drummond from the Lexington Herald-Leader. Cam Drummond, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm currently doing 61 miles an hour on the way to a nature preserve uh, somewhere north of Baton Rouge. So as long as you got me on the air, this is going to be an advertisement for the strength of T-Mobile on this day. Yes, let's go. I, I'm an AT&T guy, Cam, and my day started <laughs> off like junk. So we'll just we'll, – I have more stuff about that at 530. I, I just want to preview that. I have hacked um, and, and, and cyber attack takes uh, coming at 530. So you were there last night. You had boots on the ground in Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana, as the LSU Tigers upset Kentucky on a – a heartbreaking last-second shot and a- another great performance by Kentucky players squandered like we've seen so many times this season. Um, before we get into the game itself, I wanted to focus on John Calipari. Um, he comes sure. out. Let's do that. Yeah, he comes out last Saturday after the Auburn win. It is as chesty as I've seen him in a long time, calling people out, being snarky, uh, being a smartass with, with the lack of a better term. Then he comes out last night after this loss, tail-tucked, uh, I can only answer three questions because I have to catch a plane for an early game on Saturday, even though it's Wednesday night. The Saturday game's at 4 p.m. How weird is it right now between the media and John Calipari? Because it seems like, like Cam, it's a strange relationship right now. I mean, yeah, it, it's certainly odd. And, and especially when you think back to the earlier stages of John Calipari's tenure in Lexington, this was a guy who was talking to the media constantly. I mean, nobody was talking to the media with the frequency of John Calipari and, and with the bravado, and obviously a lot of that came as a result of winning, as a result of the recruiting classes, his position in college basketball, all that stuff. But he really over the last couple of years, he's kind of normalized or really hasn't you know, batten too many eyelashes at some of the weird media habits that Cal has. I mean, we haven't gotten him for a midweek press conference this season since at least November. I think since at least, I think the last time he did one of those was prior to the Kansas game in, yes. uh, in the State Farm Champions Classic. We have assistant coaches every week and players. The only time we're talking to Cal Perry is these post-game press conferences, which makes it from both my perspective as a media member and I'm sure for many fans out there even more irritating when he comes out and you know only takes two three questions only speaks for a couple of minutes 
He does his radio show every Monday night or Wednesday night some weeks. But those are all questions that are curated by UK, pre-screened, things like that. So we're just not getting the access to John Calipari that we used to. And when you combine that with some really puzzling results, not only, you know, last night's heartbreaking loss to LSU, but you think about all the, all the other touchstone moments of the season that fans and media members would love to ask John Calipari more questions about, gain more insight about. Um, it, it's really frustrating. It's really aggravating. And, and I understand the position I'm in that maybe not a lot of fans want to hear some media guy complaining about John Calipari not taking his questions. Right. You know, what does he owe us? All that stuff. But I don't think there's too many Kentucky basketball fans out there whose association with the program starts with the beginning of a game and ends with the final buzzer. These are people who are reading, wanting to know updates, wanting to know information constantly. The best way to get that information is by talking to the head coach of the program. The head coach of the program, who's paid many millions of dollars, does not make himself available frequently to answer those questions. And when he does, and he does something like last night, takes two questions, gives an opening statement, and leaves. You know, it's a bad look for everybody. It's a frustrating look for everybody. And to your point, it kind of speaks to this weird, chasm disconnect, not only between Calipari and the media, but as we've seen over the last couple of years, Calipari and the UK fan base. I think that's perfectly said. I couldn't have said that better myself. I, I really like your point there. You know, Kentucky fans, more than almost any other fan base in the country, came, and you know this, they want information. That's why they listen to radio shows, podcasts, they read blogs, they read the Lexington Herald Leader. They, they want all the information about their team that they can handle, and John Calipari increasingly becomes a hermit. And to your point also of, you know, what does Cal owe us? Well, you know, Cal's contractually obligated to speak to media. I mean, as part of is in his contract, he makes money to do that. And, you know, if you or I, you know, if you told your boss, us and Herald Leader, you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm only going to do stories about this, not about what you asked me to do stories on. You're going to get your a pink slip. Like you're going to go. Calipari's protected by the lifetime con- lifetime contract, and he's using that as a shield to not speak after a game like that. I think you hit it spot on, Cam. That's the better said than than I could have done. Cam Drummond with us, Lexington Herald leader. So about the game last night, sure. I, I like to me, and, and you were there. Tell me how off I am or how on I am. The, the game slipped away at the beginning of the second half when, and I hate to put it on a kid, I'm not trying to put everything on DJ Wagner because there are a lot of guys that they did a lot of things terribly, especially on the offensive end, but he, he just, it, things were so disorganized. The offense was out of a flow. He was turning the ball over. He had some silly fouls. He couldn't hit a shot, couldn't hit a layup. Did, did you, in your opinion, do you think the, the game started going off the rails when John Calipari stuck with Wagner and you know, to 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 a lesser extent, Edwards too long, keeping Dillingham, Reed Shepard on the bench, leaving those two guys out there so they could quote figure it out and, you know, up their status as a player. Right, yeah. I mean I think there's a lot of moments you can point to in terms of Kentucky kind of losing contain on the game last night. Maybe you can maybe say John Calgary was a bit late to call the timeout when LSU was mounting what became a 15-2 run to completely erase that Kentucky lead. Yeah, fair. You know, Antonio Reeves having to sit on the bench with three fouls for, for a bit longer than maybe you wanted or maybe a bit longer than he should have. But to your point on DJ Wagner, I think part of that is also just born out of how much we expect from him. 
just because he's been talked about so much as a good floor communicator, even if he's not producing the raw statistics, the guy who's going to huddle the team, going to make sure that, you know, the ship isn't sinking, really steady things and that we've seen, especially be apparent in the games he hasn't played this season. And last night, obviously, missing all five of his shots from the field, had to put up some, some really poor three-point shots, you know, late in the shot clock. And for the first time this season, it felt like DJ Wagner really didn't have a cool, crisp command of the Kentucky offense. Right. Especially in half-court settings, because it was such a slog for Kentucky on so many half-court possessions yesterday, especially when it wasn't ending in a Rob Dillingham or Antonio Reeves shot. So I think part of that can be on DJ, part of that can be on the rotation. But I think simply put, the fact that with five games left in the regular season, Kentucky couldn't figure out a way to buckle down and either get a defensive stop or get a basket when they needed to against a bad team. I know they've had some good results this season. LSU is not a good basketball They're game. not. This is a game, especially from the point of strength that you're at, up 15 early in the second half. You should not be getting out-rebounded by 10 you know, in the second period at LSU. You should not be allowing 48 points in 19 minutes to LSU. And as I wrote on my game story up at Kentucky.com uh, postgame, the fact that Kentucky lost this game just further adds to, to some of the holes in that NCAA tournament resume that are now beginning in a combined fashion to outweigh the benefits of an Auburn win or a North Carolina right. win. When you think about some of the SEC games they've dropped, the Wilmington game they've dropped, I mean, really, it does feel kind of like a two-step forward, one-step back situation at times with this team. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Cam. All right, last one before we get you out of here. Uh, Alabama comes to town on Saturday, that that, that very early 4 p.m. tip-off. Uh, hopefully you'll be awake. You'll have enough uh, Starbucks in you to, uh, to cover that game. <laughs> but, I mean, there's been, there's been times here this season that we've put dirt on Kentucky, and they somehow figure it out and win a big game. Um, do you see the same thing happening on Saturday? I mean, Alabama put on a great performance last night against Florida. Florida's a damn good basketball team. Team. They've improved tremendously under Todd Golden. Todd Golden and his Gators had them beat dead to rights. They go to overtime. Alabama figures it out. They pull out a win. Do you think that Kentucky can slow the tide on Saturday? Right. I mean, to your point about, you know, kind of putting dirt on Kentucky, they always seem to maybe rise up when their backs are against the wall. We saw this last season with the Tennessee and Arkansas games. We saw that to an extent this year already against Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's hard to predict what to expect with such a volatile team that clearly has a pretty high ceiling and also clearly has a pretty low floor. But when I think about an Alabama team that's, you know, in front in the SEC standings, and to your point about the game that they won at home in overtime last night over Florida, that was a big boy basketball game. That was yeah, a was. check kind of win. That's, an, that's, a, that's a game where you out-tough your opponent and win. And too many times this season, and John Calipari, in the very few words he said yesterday, mentioned that Kentucky got out-toughed by LSU. And so I just can't see a team that just got out-toughed on the road coming back home and and out-toughing the best team in the SEC, the most efficient offensive team in the country, the highest-scoring team in the country. You know, maybe if Kentucky had strung together another good half defensive basketball against LSU, we'd really be giving them a chance to win this game, more so than the puncher's chance that they probably will have going into Saturday. But, I mean, they just gave up 48 points 49% 49% shooting in the second half to LSU. I've got to think Alabama is going to come in kind of licking their chops on Saturday. Not to mention maybe what the atmosphere might be like in Rupp Arena if this game gets off to a poor start for Kentucky. Yeah. If they endure another multi-minute long stretch of not hitting a shot from the field or not scoring at all. This all kind of feels like a tinderbox at times with Kentucky and 
you know, every game being a referendum on the program in a positive way or a negative way. So I, I think we'll get another show on Saturday. I just don't think it may be a, a good program to watch for too many out there in Big Blue Nation. All right, Cam Drummond, safe travels to you. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Enjoy the game at Ruppin Arena as much as you can. Uh, we'll be reading about you and about the Kentucky Wildcats on Kentucky.com. Listen, Harold Leader. Uh, talk to you next week, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good luck with all the uh, alien conspiracies later today. I'm looking forward to your moon landing coverage. (laughs) Thank you, Cam Drummond there. Traveling in Louisiana. Now we turn to Zach Osterman, the Indy star. Hello, Zach. How are you this afternoon? It's gloomy here in Louisville, Kentucky. How's it in your neck of the woods? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, it's sunny outside. Oh, good for you. I'm glad I'm glad for you at least that it's sunny. Well, it's not so sunny for Mike Woodson and the Indiana Hoosier basketball team. Uh, losers three in a row at Purdue. Uh, no one really, you know, batted an eye at that one other than maybe the score. Uh, Northwestern at home, they lose 76-72. And then last night at home again, uh, Nebraska 85-70. to uh, The Hoosiers seem to be in free fall right now. I know Mike Woodson... Um, came out and, and said, you know, to the media, like, hey, you know what? I, I'm staying here. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'll be here for a long time to come. So uh, exactly, I don't know where to start with you, Zach, because it, it's 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 kind of like, like Kentucky right now. It's, it's fans versus the coach. <laughs> and I, I just, for me... Mike Woodson's in, a, in, a, in, a, in an unenviable spot where he he started his tenure at IU with two straight tournament berths, and now they're they're out of the tournament and they're losing to teams that IU fans expect to beat. Um, what's the situation there in Bloomington, and how much backlash is, is Mike Woodson facing right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think there's a lot of frustration. I don't think there's any doubt about that. There was, you know, you could feel it in, in the building last night. You could hear it in the building. Um, last night against Nebraska. I think, you know, it's the thing that is, I don't want to say puzzled me because I get that fans are just not going to enjoy losing. I understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think this season, the season Indiana's having was always kind of in the, the variance range of what we said might happen to Indiana this year. Um, in terms of all the turnover, all the production loss, the youth, you know, four new starters, etc. Um, it just sort of, you know, it, it, again, I think maybe it's a little bit kind of, you know, acknowledging its possibility versus having to live it, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think Indiana fans maybe are, are, are kind of fighting a little bit more now. And, and I'm not begrudging, and begrudge is the wrong word, I'm not sort of criticizing or saying I don't understand anybody who kind of looks at Indiana right now and just says, geez, like, this is, you know, this is ugly, this is unsustainable, etc. Um, it's just kind of, you know, like I said, it, it, this was always a, a possible outcome for this team and, and not, a, not an extreme one. I mean, this was always, you know, something we thought this team, maybe not quite this low on confidence, you know, this, this sort of just devoid of self-belief. But these weaknesses, these shortcomings were always possible. And I think if, if you're Indiana, um, you know, you got to learn some, some pretty hard lessons from this and you got to learn them pretty quick. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm not advocating at all for, for Mike Woodson's job to be on the line or whatever because, you know, again, his third season, he's done an admirable job. Uh, his first two there kind of, you know, bringing IU fans, you know, some joy with the, the, the tournament appearances, you know, bringing Bob Knight back into the, the, the arena and assembly hall and everything that comes with it. Um, but it, it, it is a disappointment. I've been on – look, I'm a Kentucky fan, Zach. I've been on the end of disappointment for more seasons than I'd like to <laughs> – like to admit here uh recently but yeah it, it is something that that you know looking at it right now for mike woodson it is it is tough to swallow for 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 indiana fans and you know to to the defense of indiana fans mike woodson is the one that assembled the roster and and decided to you know add more size add more length and, and not add more guards and i think that's the the crux of the matter is they just don't have enough in the backcourt and in, 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 in enough talent in the backcourt in order to compete in some of these games. And for, you know, for, for Mike Woodson, that's been the albatross around his neck as the season's gone on. No, I, I think that's totally fair. And, and I mean, you know, he took, listen, Indiana tried in a couple cases to add guards. And I think Woodson has suggested kind of in recent days that, you know, they, 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 they felt like they struggled to thread a needle in, in, in you know, finding guys that, wanted to come in and kind of join the situation Indiana had when they already had Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson coming back and guys maybe doubting their playing time. But one way or the other, you know, you're the, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the reason you get paid and the money you get paid is is to figure out how to make it work. And, you know, Woodson took a few gambles with this team. Um, you know, he, uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably fair to say didn't, fight super hard to keep Tamar Bates and, and, you know, Bates is obviously having a good season, admittedly, for a pretty bad Missouri team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he opted to kind of lean back into the two big lineups that we thought might kind of go away when Trace Jackson Davis graduated. He tried McKenzie and Baco at the three. Um, you know, whatever his attempts to add guard depth, he wasn't really able to, at least not impact depth in, in the way that we're talking about. And he didn't really add you know, any sort of assurance in terms of shooting. And, and that, mm-hmm. you know, that was probably one of the glaring things that we said about this, this sort of roster as constructed in, in the off season was what happens if this team really struggles to shoot the three again? And now they are. And, you know, a, a game like last night, I know a lot of the talking points center on Indiana's defense, but I actually thought offense was probably the bigger problem in, in some pretty fundamental respects for Indiana. And so, you know, it's basically, it's just kind of one of those where Woodson had a, you know, a, a difficult offseason to navigate just in terms of all that he was going to lose. He cut his cloth accordingly. He took some gambles. Too many of them haven't, haven't paid off. And, you know, the result is obviously a team that's, that's really, really struggling. Again, I think not just hurting for skill or depth, but... but intangibles like confidence and togetherness and I don't think it's a dysfunctional team I just think it's a young team that doesn't really have a uh, um, uh, it doesn't really have a, a I don't know a measure of that sort of like collective toughness that, that gets you through when things sure. aren't going well and you know, I think it's it's that's common in young teams, but Woodson knew he was going to have a young team. And so it's just it's, it's one of those things where it's sort of like 
when you bring up any of these things individually, people say that's just an excuse or that's just covering for that or whatever. It all rolls into it. Like all of this. I mean, Xavier Johnson's injury status is, is part of this. And yeah. the fact that he's really been healthy for about half the year, not even quite. It, it's all basically just presented too many problems for Indiana to solve. And that's where they that's where they've kind of left themselves. No, I, I, I'm with you, man. It's 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 a tough situation. I know Mike Woodson; he doesn't want to lose. <laughs> he tried to construct this team as best as possible. All right, last one for you. Um, you know the the Big Ten itself. I mean, I know Purdue is you know the the, the front runner there, even though they've lost some head scratching games even here recently. Uh, how, how many teams do you expect the Big Ten to get into the NCAA tournament? It's more of a down year for them. We're used to the Big Ten getting you know six, seven, eight, nine teams in to the tournament uh what's your prognostication as far as uh the field of 68 for the conference yeah i think um i mean i'm just kind of doing the math in my head since admittedly i have not paid as much attention to the bracket stuff um just because it hasn't really been relevant to my day to day no so you're right about that in, <laughs> I'm you know, with Illinois, you. <laughs> wisconsin um you know i think michigan state's you know they've they, they, they're one of those teams that's going to have a bit of a weird resume because the numbers are all going to look good and the record's not quite going to match it. But I think the, the committee's not going to have a ton of trouble putting them in unless something drastically changes. Sure. I, I do think Northwestern, you know, kind of right there on the bubble, um, feels like maybe they could stand to add a little bit more quality to and the counterweight to that Chicago State loss. I know it's just one loss, but man. You know, a Kim Palm sub 300 loss. It's a tough loss. It's just the kind of thing you don't want to carry with you. It's not even like, a, and I'm not picking on like a Louisville, but it's not even like you lost to a bad high major team that, you know, just <laughs> kind of put it together for one night or a Boston College or somebody like that. Um, I do think Nebraska should be a tournament team. I mean, I, I've, I've seen that team obviously twice now, Indiana's plays them. I think they're deep, I mean, they could score for fun. Um, I think they've got the, the necessary wins. Um, and I think that, you know, just generally, I don't think they'll be very highly seated, but I think they should be in. And then from there, to be honest, I guess I'm I'm kind of struggling for try, trying to remember who else is kind of in that mix. You know, Maryland has never really kind of pulled it together. Iowa's never quite pulled it together. I think I mentioned Wisconsin. It feels like it's probably something in the range of a six-day league, um, which is low for, for the Big Ten. It's not the lowest I've ever seen. One year, I think, I want to say 2014, they were a four-bid league. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just think that, you know, broadly speaking, I think it's probably going to land somewhere around six bids. And forgive me, I'm, I'm probably forgetting somebody that's uh, in that conversation. But again, and I'm not trying to be flippant, I just I have not paid a huge amount of attention to the bracketology stuff just because it hasn't really hit me. I, but, you know, I look at I am looking at it now. I, I don't see an Iowa. No, I don't see a Minnesota. Um you know, unless somebody kind of pulls it together and, and puts together one of these end-of-season runs where they win, you know, six of their last seven games and then make a run in the tournament, I don't, I don't really see a um, a team like that. Yeah, I'm with you. It's been a weird, it's been a weird year for the Big Ten for sure. More of a, a dip. It seems like the, you know, the SEC has ascended. The Big, Big Ten's descended, but I, I don't expect that to be. Uh, the, the case for long is the Big Ten's set to add a whole bunch of teams from the Pac-12. Zach Osterman, man, appreciate the time. Thank you so much. We'll talk again next week. Enjoy your weekend. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, Always. Zach Osterman, the Indy Star. There we go. That was the Blitz. Uh, how, how is that for you, Zach Cantrell? You feeling good after that, buddy? 
I'm feeling good because I'm not a Louisville fan or an Indiana fan, so I feel a little bit better about it. You do feel that you're an Ohio Ohio State fan. At least you beat Purdue. BBZ, baby. That too. So who do you want as your coach? Who do I want? Yeah. Uh, Nate Oates. Oh, how about that? Little Nate Oates in Columbus. Swipe them from the Louisville fans. I like that. Sean Miller would be good. How about the name that's going to trigger every Louisville fan? Chris Mack would do well at Ohio State. I I think you're right about that. I think Chris Mack, because it's it's, it's a – it's a look. It's a big school. It's a high caliber program. Yes. Without the pressure of Louisville basketball. Yeah, he's not the mayor of Columbus. He's not the guy that it's on, it's on That's him Ryan if his Day. team doesn't win. That's Ryan Day. Yeah. Ryan no, Day has to win every game, or the people there are not happy. No, I'm that's with not going to be the case with whoever the basketball coaches. They want. Obviously, we want to win, but the most important thing is just keep everybody held over until spring pr- practice starts. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Zach. I, I actually love that pick uh, from you. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other end, uh, Eric Crawford wrote a really good article. I want to talk about that. More Kentucky stuff as they lose to LSU and John Calipari is flailing. And I got people are texting me like, you hate Cal. That's not the case. You all know that. We'll talk about that. Um, and then the, the, the cell phone uh, debacle today. We'll talk about that at 5.30. Before we uh, take a break, though, Sonatrol of Louisville. Speaking of security and securing your stuff, Sonatrol is the place to go. They won't let you down at all. They have 350 five-star reviews on Google. That means they're the top-rated security company in Kentucky. They'll tailor your needs to your home or your business, and they'll even come out and service your system down the road. They have the best technology the best associates, the best workers, everything you need, sonatrolky.com or give them a call at 502-966-8999. They'll write out to your home or your business, tell you what you need, or you tell them what you need. They'll work with you. They'll work around your needs. Highest rate security company in Kentucky, locally and family owned for over 35 years. We love local businesses here on ESPN Louisville. Sonatrol, they don't just do security. They do cameras, badge access, and fire monitoring. You can do it all for your phone. Sonatrolky.com. You're listening to the Round Table with Round Daddy. Now here's Round Daddy, James Strebel. Kentucky basketball hosts Alabama on Saturday. Join Mike Gandolfo, Jason Itz, Zach Cantrell, 6 p.m. for the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame show on ESPN 680-1057. Kentucky Fish and Wildlife reminds you to enter the 2024 Elk Draw today on their website. 437-9680-UPS-JOBS text line. Go ahead and reach the show that way. We'll do a shorter segment here. That way we can get all of our thoughts out, Zach, at 5 p.m. and 5.30. Uh, but, Zach, so so you were you were off last night from the Kentucky. Uh, I was, yeah. Yeah, you were off from the postgame show, so you were just able to uh, sit back and relax and watch the game That's right. on your own and, and not have to worry about running the show and everything. So we were texting kind of back and forth, uh, you with uh, me and, and Mike and, and Ince. Yeah. And from your perspective, Zach, because you're not a fan of either Louisville or Kentucky, um, you know, BBZ, baby. B, yeah, B, yeah, B, B, yeah, BBZ, Big Blue Zach. That's right. Even though you'll do LSL, too, yeah. as well. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you're, a, you're a chameleon, as I've called you in That's the past. Right. There you go. What did you see last night, Zach, on the Kentucky end of things that, that really kind of either confused or 
um, made you concerned from, from from them blowing that 15-point lead? I was confused why Antonio Reeves was off the floor as long as he was with three fouls, and he never picked up his fourth. He like never you, picked up another foul. you got to trust your veteran guy, Antonio Reeves, in that situation to not pick up his fourth foul or pick up his fifth foul, whatever the case may be. He was out for far too long, and we all know that he's the straw that stirs the drink with this team. And so that confused me. And having Onyenso and Bradshaw on the court at the same time, you're playing three on five when you're doing that offensively. Yes. That made no sense whatsoever. That's the thing that probably confused me more than anything else. The other thing is the last three games, and I've talked about this, I've done Louis show all week. Last three games, 75, 70, and 74 points. This is a team that was routinely in the 80s and 90s all season long. And now they've point. actually done things on the defensive end of the floor. Now they have struggled to score. And outside of Dillingham, where was everybody else yesterday? Where was Reed Shepard? Where was, I mean, Reeves had a good game, so I... Yeah, he, had, yeah he was fine. But where was everybody else? Come on. You, you got to get somebody other than Dillingham to step up down the stretch. So lots of confusing lineups. And I, I don't know if he was tinkering with things because they had a 15-point lead or whatnot, but... I mean, that's what happens it, when you're tinkering in game. You lose. That's a great That's a great point, too. Was he tinkering with things because he had a 15-point lineup? And that leads me back to my original thought of DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards, you know, leaving them in that long where neither, neither guy at the beginning of the second half was giving that team anything. Offensively, defensively, rebounding. Like, they, they were zeros on the floor. And I hate to say that because I do think DJ Wagner is a good player. I do think he's an important player. I just don't think he's fully healthy. Yeah. I, I, I think there's still something wrong with, with his ankle or whatever. But he, he just he just has not looked like himself. Mm-hmm. Four weeks now, ever since that injury with his ankle happened, he has not looked like the player. And Cam brought it up, you know, him being a floor general is something that has been able to steady this team in the past. Right. And he just was not able to do it last night. It's like he's pressing him. He shot that air ball. Oh my gosh, was that against Gonzaga? Where he, where, yeah, it was Gonzaga. It's against Gonzaga. Saturday. It's like he, he's, he's trying too hard, I think, to get back on track. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he's playing off the ball, and defensively, he just looked lost. He, he, he didn't did. Score. He didn't score. So if you're not going to score, you got to do something on the other end. And this is the guy that we've talked about all year. One of the reasons Kentucky's defensive struggles have been what they are is because DJ Wagner missed three or four games. And their right. record without him, obviously, they haven't won a game without DJ Wagner being out there. So there is some value to him. But yesterday, he, Calipari left him in too long. You you cannot. You have to pull the plug. If if it's just not working, then it's not working. But and, he has this tendency, Zach, yeah. to think you know I got to get these guys going. I, and he says you know I see it at practice. I know it's like well okay, practice is one thing. These are games. It's why he's done with Edwards all season. Essentially. Yes, yes. And I'm not even saying, though he played pretty decent yesterday, he, made he was three okay. Threes. Yeah, he was fine. He made three three and nine, but it, what sticks out to me and no and rebounds. Jason, yeah, no rebounds. Exactly. Ince brought that up earlier. Yep. And that can't be excused away. We're okay. Nine points, you hit three threes. That's fine. I, I, you know, I could roll with that. If you give me nine points and five rebounds, I say you have a solid game. If you give me nine points and zero rebounds, Again, what are you doing? He had zero points in the second half. And to Cal Perry's credit, he left both of them on the bench. Eventually, at some point, he said, okay, he pulled the plug. I think it was too little too late. But but Cal yeah. tends to do that. He has a tendency to, to, to stick with his, quote, his guys for long periods of time in order to get them going and get their confidence, which I understand that. But when you when your 15-point lead shrinks that quickly, you have to stop the bleeding faster than he did. And what's the other issue with this Kentucky team been all season long? Rebounding. 
guess what happened at the end of the game? Yeah. They played great defense. They got Jordan Wright to miss the shot. Sure. And they didn't box out. You've got to get the rebound in that situation because then you win the game. We're having an entirely different conversation today. Yes. Because that, that's a road win. That's still a decent road win if you're able to Squad pull that Squad two win. And I said it last week. Could they go 2-1 and one against this three-game stretch? Auburn at LSU, Alabama. I thought they would lose the Auburn game and beat LSU, so it's flipped. But we'll see what happens on Saturday when they play Alabama because that is the best offense in the SEC, maybe in all of college basketball as far as metrics are concerned. Th- those guys, they'll shoot 43s. and They will. It, it won't matter. Like no. They shoot free throws, three-pointers, and layups. There's... There's no mid-range in their game. And they've got uh, they got Mark Sears, one of the best guards in America. That's a team that rebounds the ball well. That was a good win last night against Florida. That was a huge win against Florida. I was I was kind of keeping my eye on that one as I was watching, you know, Louisville and, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Louisville and Notre Dame. And as Cam said, that was a big boy basketball game. Yes, it was. And, and the way that, that a team like Florida with under Todd Golden has improved as the season's gone on, I mean, they're, they're the legit tournament team. They're legit top 25 team now. Yes they are imagine if kentucky would have beat them i mean that's a quad one win now yeah at florida imagine if kentucky would have beat them at home that very much well could have been another quad one win under their belt if they would have pulled that one out that's another game where it's like okay you look at it just like this lsu game zach yeah you should have won that one that one got away from you you had opportunities and you missed the shots that mattered you couldn't get stops when the stops mattered the most and that to me is the most disturbing thing about this team and i used to be able to think okay if they're up to a big lead they score so much if they're up 15 points we're winning the game exactly that, yes. for the first time last night that log it logic went out the window because they had a big lead and they couldn't close it out offensively forget about the defense okay if you're up 15 if you can't defend very well you should be able to score with them you keep them at arm's length double digit double right. digit length the entire game last night's the first time i said okay what's going on with the offense why are we going these long stretches without scoring and again part of it is Antonio reads on the bench for six minutes dj can't score in the second half Justin Edwards can't score in the second half. You have Ugana and Aaron Bradshaw in at the same time. Where's the offense coming from those guys? It's not happening. It's that's, not happening. That's three on five. You're playing three on five offensive it, it was, basketball. It was, it was the, it, to me, it was the, I think Cal's done a decent, I wouldn't say good. I think he's done a decent job coaching this team last, this year. I think last night was his worst coaching job this season. Yeah. And it was terrible. The, the other recurring theme with this team, close games. They lose them all. They do. They, they lose the yep. close games. And Dillingham actually hit a shot last night, which is the first time all season that they've actually executed, I think, in the last 20 seconds of one of these close games where they actually got a shot off and actually made it. And yes. then they didn't get a stop on the defensive end of the floor. Well, they did get a stop. They just they said, did. rebound the yeah. damn ball. Yeah, you got to rebound Hero the made the play. Yeah. A dude, th- that's what pisses me off so much Zach Adu Thiero he made the play yes he did you got on Yenso standing right there grab the basketball and the game's over grab it it's yep. over it's done and they just watch they just watch it they just watch the ball go up in the air and just stood there like oh someone else will get it someone else will get it yeah. someone else will do it I feel a lot of that with this team on the defensive end and on the as far as rebounding someone else will get it no you freaking get it you go out there you be the alpha player you go out there you grab every rebound the only player on this team Zach that I feel like would do that is a do Thero. he's the only one that I think is tough enough to go in there and say I'm getting I'm getting this rebound he made the plays defensively down the stretch his team let him down yeah they certainly did that, that's where you expect Onyenso or Bradshaw whoever's out there just squeeze the orange get the rebound game over and then 
Kentucky wins and we're not even having this conversation that the late game execution on both ends of the floor is concerning because they've had leads in the last four minutes the last three minutes and have not finished games well guess what's going to happen in March you're going to play other good teams you're probably going to play some close games and I have no confidence in them to finish games out right now, and I have no confidence that they're getting out of the first weekend. If anything, it's very reminiscent of last year. It is. With a much right. more talented roster, yeah. and you could end up with the exact same ending, where you're a six seed, you beat an 11 seed perhaps in the first round, may not even do that, depending on who the 11 seed is, and then you're probably out against a three seed in the second round. That's where this team is trending right now. Yeah. I, I, Zach, unfortunately, I'm with you. All right, let's leave you text here. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, continue with this conversation and talk some Louisville basketball as well texter cal does not win close games he doesn't anymore he used to hasn't here this season or in previous seasons texters what do you think uk's record would be the rest will be the rest of the way all right let me go four and two three and two three and two let me all right let me let me look let me let me pull let me pull up the schedule zach i got a little schedule talking today alabama at mississippi state yep Arkansas and Vandy, and then, and then at Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, so, so it's yeah, it's Alabama, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vandy, and then at Tennessee. I'm with you. I think I think three and two, two and three is possible because that Mississippi oh, yeah. State's not going to be easy. Maybe they steal the Alabama game. It's possible because this team Gandolfo talked about. He was more nervous about them going to LSU than he was them playing Alabama. Maybe he's flipped course on that after what happened Maybe. yesterday. But yeah, I think three and two is probably the most likely scenario. I'm with you. I think I think three and two, so that would put them at twenty one and ten. Twenty one and ten, and you know, sitting right there to six seed. Twenty one and ten with the talent with that this, this team talent. has, it's, it's just not good enough. This is Calipari's perfect team. If he could have drawn it up, it would have looked exactly like this. And to be twenty one and ten, that's that's as disappointing a year as Calipari's had in a long time, maybe ever. Because it was pointed to as this is the year, Zach. Exactly. This is the year. Yeah. Texture, weird Wednesday, weird Thursday cyber attacks. Yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, uh, 530 Texture, I'm no KP defender, but wasn't Sky bent over because he's hurt? I don't know. Maybe that was the case. He does have a broken rib. And, and credit to that kid for playing with a broken rib. I mean, that that's a very painful injury. Texter, Wayne Blackshear was a five-star, I believe. He was. He's a McDonald's All-American. Uh, Texter, yes, I'm a red coat at the Yum Center. Oh, hell yeah. I like that. Texter, Cal has low T. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about that. If he does uh, have low T, Tri-State Men's Health is the place to go for John Calipari. You can take a two-minute low T quiz on TriStateMensHealth.com to see if that is the case. Texter, I uh, disagree with Zach about a loss to a three seed. I have more confidence in this team beating a strong team versus, say, an 11 seed. There may be something to that. Yeah, he's not entirely wrong. Actually, it's probably more likely they lose to the 11 seed. Yeah, no, I get up for big games. They don't get up for LSU and Mississippi State and these other teams. No, they don't. I don't know who the 11 seeds are right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if one of those mid majors got them. No, it would would not be a shock at all. And then we're sitting in a St. Peter's uh, situation all over again, just two two years removed uh, from that painful loss. Texture, I just tuned in. Have y'all talked about Cal? getting pantsed again last night it's been the majority of the show yes texture it's been it's been almost the entire uh show itself all right we're gonna do some louisville talk on the other end i feel like we've talked a lot of kentucky eric crawford wrote a great article uh we'll talk about that and more hey bj heating and cooling that's the place to go to that's the place i go to if you're having a problem with your hvac system if it's too hot it's too cold heck spring seems like it's here right now maybe a little snow saturday night we'll see what happens we'll see what old mother nature has in store for us but 
whatever your your ailments are when it comes to your HVAC system, BJ Heating and Cooling is the place that I use and we trust here at ESP in Louisville to fix those needs. They're your local factory authorized Bryant dealer. They teamed up with Bryant Dust Equipment. They'll do whatever it takes to make those rooms enjoyable. Again, Bryant Mini Splits are available. They're quite efficient and avoid the installation of bulky ductwork. They'll control a room that is too cool or too hot or whatever. You can't meet that Goldilocks zone where it's just right. Those Bryant Mini Splits will do the trick. BJ Heating and Cooling are locally and family owned, celebrating over 40 years of servicing Kentucky in it, and they'll come out and service your needs if you're in Sellersburg or Louisville or Clarksville, Jeffersonville, New Albany. They've got trucks everywhere ready to go. Call the experts that you can trust and I trust, bjheatcool.com. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is... With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling.